0: Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM, and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening, reflecting into uh, the figure and the man, Pope Francis. As we do from one Wednesday to the next, we talk about where he is at in the news, and we talk about the joy of the gospel. And as I do each and every Wednesday, I have Bob Cross with me. So, Bob, it is great to have you with me another evening. Thanks, Joe. Wonderful to be here. So, Bob, uh, here we are again talking about Pope Francis, and... uh, I cannot recall a time where I have been in so many conversations about one man (laughs) as I have with Pope Francis these last few weeks. And um, just off the top, I want to say how grateful I am, Bob, that we have the opportunity to to talk about what we are going to talk about tonight. Not only um, to discuss where he's at in the news, but also to be able to get to know the man in joy of the gospel and just kind of let our understanding of who he is come out from those those two those two pieces and so very important
1: isn't it interesting that you know here we've been going through the joy of the Gospel and we're you know at 107 paragraphs or so in into it thus far and talking about it every week and it seems like it took the you know the extraordinary Synod of the you know of to to create uh, this firestorm of this this discussion about who is Pope Francis um, yeah. it's funny um we've been talking about it all along and then all of a sudden it seems like the rest of the world is catching up with some of the discussions that we've we've been, you know dealing with for, yeah. for months now.
0: Well, it's really interesting that you actually bring that up, Bob, in that context, because what I have found myself saying is just encouraging the people that I've been talking to is to just not listen to this radio program, but go back into some of the things you and I have talked about. And again, what we're doing here is we are drawing from what we know, okay, versus what we don't know. We're not here speculating a great deal as much as we are trying to make sense of, of what we know. And, uh, well, we do know quite a bit, and we're going to explain the significance of, of what that means, because it is important. And so, certainly this past week, when you talk about where Pope Francis has been in the news, uh, there was a quote-unquote demotion, or at least as it has been reported, of one Cardinal Burke from his, his post in, in Rome. And so maybe that might be our starting point to to briefly discuss this, and in doing so, bring this into the larger discussion of his papacy you know it's um
1: <clears throat> this uh, during the synod or just prior to it, you know there was this point counterpoint between you know cardinal uh, Burke of course, and um cardinal casper mm-hmm. you know about this whole you know um canon laws it relates to marriage and <clears throat> and um you know how to deal with marriage and divorce. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, anything that has to do with either man was going to have a lot of scrutiny and a lot of media attention because I remember reading, you know, you know about a month or so ago, this point versus counterpoint, and mm-hmm. Cardinal Burke tends to be um, labeled as a conservative, mm-hmm. and Cardinal Casper from Germany is labeled a progressive mm-hmm. or more liberal. And so it was great fodder for the media to have these two different positions, you know, going into the Senate itself or during the the first early stages of the Senate. So um, it's interesting that now obviously he's in the news and, you know, with the news we're hearing with his demotion that it's getting so much coverage.
0: Yeah, they have very much become caricatures of of the left and right. And again, I'm not fond of using that language, but for the sake of of our conversation now, they they very much have And what what happens when you do that is you you lose right from wrong, ultimately, because the conversation that is so caught up in right, left, liberal, conservative, progressive, and all this other political language is is driven by uh, so often, Bob, opinion. C.S. Lewis talks about this, huh? He talks about the dangers of having uh, and using political language when you were talking about truth, because in the end, uh, opinion is often driving that conversation and it never becomes a real dialogue. Again, the dialogic, dialogos, logos, logic, right? Logic as the instrument to reason where we can discover truth. And so as it relates to Cardinal Burke, I mean, there's certainly a number of points to be had. His demotion, It's interesting, a lot of people saw this as as him, quote-unquote, calling Pope Francis out during the Synod. Well, we have to remember something. This was something that was going to happen before the Synod even started. So timing-wise, you're already up against finding that single truth into, you know, why he no longer uh, has that post.
1: Sure, and there's an article by um, Sherry Waddell, um, I think it was posted today on several different Catholic websites, that that, uh, kind of... Puts it in this context. Burke served six plus years before his predecessor, Cardinal Bellini, who was there for four years, was moved to great chancellor of the Pontifical Lateran University. Bellini's predecessor, Cardinal Pompeta, was there for four and a half years uh, and when he turned 75 and had his resignation accepted by then uh, John Paul II. See, John Paul II. He had no shift to another curial position. Pompeta's predecessor, Cardinal Grokolowski, uh, one year was shifted to the all-important task of prefect of the Sacred Congregation for Catholic Education. He had been there since 1999. So Grokolowski's predecessor, Cardinal Agostori, just under four years became prefect of the Signatura. So Burke had served longer than any of his immediate four predecessors, only one of whom was shifted to another curial position. And that one, not of earth-shaking significance. So What is Sherry Waddell saying there? Is there any merit to what she's saying in terms of that lack of time that any of these people have served in that position?
0: Well, absolutely there is, Bob, because ultimately the the merit abides in what we know versus what we don't know. Um, She is going into the concrete facts of what that is all about. And what that is all about is a term that is held for a period of time, and Burke held it longer than, as she draws out, longer than... uh, number of his predecessors, and you can actually go farther back and and find that Burke is longer than most of his predecessors. And what's also important here, Bob, is to look at how Cardinal Burke has responded to this. He has responded to this with great integrity and grace. And there's a lot to be said by that. He has been very humble, and he very much looks forward to his next assignment. And uh, so we should follow and, and imitate Cardinal Burke in that way. And by that, I mean, uh, be humble about this. Um, do, do, do not be assuming that you have it all figured out and just say, okay, you know, Cardinal Burke is handling with this with grace, and so should I. He has called us to pray for the church, and so should we. It's very important. You know, many have turned, uh, Bob, to this one reassignment, and these are the conversations I've been having to highlight this, you know, great big conspiracy theory against the, you know, quote-unquote conservative bloc. Well, Let's talk about assignments here for a little bit. I have not been shy of engaging Benedict's legacy, and one of the things that I like to talk about is his assignments, right? (laughs) Because it is there where you find his legacy. I mean, many of his appointments are very uh, orthodox. Now, I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about his assignments, nor Pope Francis' assignments, but let us just consider a few. First and foremost, Cardinal George Pell. Uh, He is not a liberal. He is not a moderate, if we're going going to use these terms. And he made his feelings known loudly and clearly at the Synod. Uh, He has been chosen by Pope Francis as one of his closest collaborators, heading up the new Vatican Secretary of the Economy. But Bob, nobody is talking about Pell. Why? Well, to speak in plain terms, he doesn't fit that narrative. Of a covertly dissenting pope removing conservatives from power. Pope Francis also uh, picked Bishop Anthony Fisher, Pell's longtime protege, who is both brilliant and, Bob, we can say, completely orthodox, to become the new Archbishop of Sydney. And again, we're not gonna hear about that because that doesn't fit the narrative. I don't know how each of these decisions were made, and Bob, neither do any of us but they certainly aren't fitting into that, you know, tidy conspiracy narrative. You can look at some of our local assignments (laughs) here in Sacramento. uh, Auxiliary Bishop Coda. Uh, This is a very faithful Orthodox man. You can go to Oakland. One of his uh, Jesuit peers, Michael Barber. I think it was earlier this year, Bob, that he removed an openly gay priest on the campus of Cal Berkeley, right? So, I mean... (laughs) he is appointing, that is Pope Francis, a great number of Orthodox bishops. Now, some of the other conversation pieces that I have found myself in is uh, is about his openness to gay marriage, and I just want to address this head on. We haven't really done that up to this point, and I want to go back to what everyone's talking about, his words, who am I to judge, okay? So, what happened here? On July 28th, When he was heading back from Brazil for World Youth Day, we heard that famous phrase, who am I to judge a homosexual person? Well, what was he talking about? Simply, Bob, and to all of our listeners, he was emphasizing a part of the Catholic teaching that I dare say is often overlooked by the media and misunderstood by many, many, many people. In the words of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, The Church teaches that homosexual people, and I quote, must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity, and that every sign of an unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. Now, you and I both know, and many of our listeners, Bob, know, that the Catechism also describes a homosexual inclination as objectively disordered and homosexual acts as intrinsically disordered because we know that sexuality is an integral part of the love by which a man and a woman commit themselves totally to one another until death. So, so Bob, Pope Francis made his comments about homosexuality during this trip. He was asked specifically about what has been described as a gay lobby in the Vatican. Allegedly, a group of priests and bishops who work at the Vatican and protect each other. Pope Francis said it was important to distinguish between a person who is gay and someone who makes a gay lobby. His words, a gay person who is seeking God, who is of goodwill, well, who am I to judge him? The Pope then goes to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and says, the Catechism explains this very well. It says one must not marginalize these persons. They must be integrated into society we must see them as our brothers and sisters in christ the problem is something else the problem is lobbying either for this orientation or a political lobby or he goes on to say a masonic lobby carnal dolan comments (laughs) his remarks on the plane reflect a gentle merciful understanding compassionate approach to church teaching which emphasizes that while certain acts may be wrong we would always love and respect the person and treat the person with dignity. Pope Francis's words Cardinal Dolan says may be something people find new and refreshing, but I think this to be very important here, Bob. I, for one, don't think it is, and I hate to see previous popes caricatured as not having that. We put the word mercy next to Pope Francis as if the Church has never stood for mercy. It's quite honestly ridiculous. The current Pope's approach to the question of homosexuality on the flight from Brazil should remind us, Bob, of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's words, oh, by the way, on a flight to Spain, when he said, when he was going to meet with families, it's true that there are problems and things that the Christian life says no to. We want to make people understand that according to human nature, it is a man and a woman who are made for each other and made to give humanity a future. This is Benedict XVI who goes on to say, However, instead of focusing on condemning attempts to legally recognize homosexual unions, let's shine a light on the positive things so we can make people understand why the church cannot accept certain things. But at the same time, wants to respect people and to help them. So, Bennett XVI, who many will still say is, uh, you know, the Rottweiler, <laughs> proves why he's truly a German shepherd. Because in many ways, he's simply shepherding, as who Pope Francis has. Now, some of our listeners out there, Bob, may be thinking to themselves, but Pope Francis still has not been outspoken. Well... This is an article that I pulled up, and I've had conversation with many people about it. In July of two, uh, 2009, he called on the priests of the Archdiocese of Buenos Aires to bring the faithful to an upcoming protest against homosexual marriage. These are Cardinal Bergoglio's words, Bob, who we now know as Pope Francis. Let's not be naive. We are not talking about a simple political battle. It is a destructive pretension against the plan of God. This is our Pope. We are not talking about a mere bill, but rather a machination of the father of lies that seeks to confuse and deceive the children of God. He goes on, The Argentinian people will have to confront in the coming weeks a situation whose result could gravely injure the family. We are speaking of a bill regarding marriage between people of the same sex, a bill that calls into question the identity and the survival of the family, father, mother, and children. The country now needs more than ever before the special assistance of the Holy Spirit to place the light of truth in the middle of the darkness of air to defend us against the enchantment of so many sophistries with which they seek to justify this bill. That's Pope Francis. Okay. Now, Some of us, Bob, might be asking, why doesn't he talk about this more? Why doesn't he use this language, Joe, more? Well, he's going to stand by what he said at the beginning of his papacy, Bob, which is simply, I am not going to, at every turn and every corner, talk about all of the hot-button issues. It's not good evangelization. And Bob, who am I to say this, but I agree with him, right? You don't lead with that you lead with Jesus Christ and the message of salvation that opens them up. That's what you lead with. So important. Well,
1: you know, every time he speaks and every time he's even quoted, um, and as we read in the joy of the gospel, there's there's a lot of language like I've been hearing as you're reading some of those accounts. Dignity, respect, Mm. love, compassion. I mean, what is that? Those are the The building blocks, the foundation of Christianity, which is what he is called the shepherd. And you're right. I mean, if if he's to speak the language that he did, as uh, you know, and on a hot top topic back in 2009 in Buenos Aires, he spoke very, very frankly and very, very much in an orthodox fashion, as it relates to you know the Catechism and the way the Catholic Church looks at you know same-sex marriage. but, you know, as, as the Pope, you're right. I mean, he's not going if to, he, if he goes right to the hot buttons, what's he going to do? It's going to polarize people. People are immediately going to draw, draw the lines. It seems like they're, they're rushing to do that anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. even though he hasn't used the kind of language on one way, one way or the other in terms of, you know,
0: that hot button. Yeah, um, well said, Bob. And the point to be had here, too, is that he has talked about these. He has echoed those sentiments during his papacy. If you were to actually read his homilies, read his Wednesday audiences, read his addresses, if you were to read this man day in and day out, what you see him is talking consistently about the beauty of marriage between man and woman. Okay? But again, there's all these blogs, there's all these websites, and they approach him with this hermeneutic of suspicion— now, What does that mean? Hermeneutic is just a fancy word for interpretation. They interpret what, what Pope Francis does and what he says within the context of being suspicious of him. Now, why are they suspicious? I mean, that's a, that's the great question. Only the person who is suspicious, suspicious can, can respond to that. Are we truly seeking understanding into why this man does what he does? Or has he challenged us and made us uncomfortable? That's between each person in God. I know from some of these conversations I've been in, people have been very honest. You know, he's, he's challenged me, he's made me uncomfortable. Why has he made you uncomfortable? I mean, these are questions that need to be asked. Um, I have been in in these conversations and found that if we approach him, and, and people have done this now within the context of, uh, let us say, the hermeneutic of faith, okay, where we're genuinely seeking understanding into why this man does what he does and beginning to really Get to know the man in all of his writings, and all of his homilies, and all of his actions, and um, I think we find a piece in that. I think we'll find that you want to know it. He's not the man that the press makes him out to be. Sure. I
1: mean, wh- where do you think this this conspiracy thought process is coming from? Why is th- why is this this conspiratorial um, you know dialogue going on? And what is it that they think that he's trying to do? Those mm. who are his detractors and trying to label him. As, a, uh, as someone who's going to change the Church. I mean, what, what, what is, where is, that, where is that coming
0: from? Off the top, Bob, the first response to that would be uh, Pope Francis has put um, a few cardinals around him that are, again, for the sake of this conversation this evening, progressive. They've, they've pushed a lot of buttons okay? And and those cardinals claim that they are buddy-buddy with Pope Francis, which which I don't trust a whole lot of that, quite frankly, because even as one of the other more orthodox cardinals noted, when you see cardinals and bishops doing that, it's often untrue. I don't know if that was Cardinal Pell or one of the other cardinals, but um, anyhow, and because of that, it's really drummed up a lot of news. Kind of goes back to what you're saying before. These caricatures have been created of left and right, and on the left... Cardinal Casper, you have a man who's close with Pope Francis. But again, we have to be careful about the assumptions we make with with that friendship. Second, for all of us, and I say all of us, even those who might be 60, 70, or or older, um, we are used to the way John Paul II and Benedict have been doing things. And Pope Francis is a different man. So, um, when he's not speaking in the same vein as his two predecessors. And again, this, this encompasses over 35 years now. Bob, when we're not uh, getting what we're so used to, um, what begins to happen is we, we fear what we do not know. And when you talk about where does the conspiracy theory come from, well, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from Satan. It comes from the adversary. Remember what Satan means, you know, diabolos, you know, to scatter you know, to throw something in the middle of the road, to divert our attention. The great tragedy of all of this, Bob, and we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago because it was Colonel Burke and Colonel Pell both mentioned it. We shouldn't be so anxious about what apparently happened at the Synod. We should be praying for the fruit of the Synod to bear truth. You know, that, that is what we, we need to be spending our time with. And if Pope Francis is missing something, which I don't think he is, and then let us pray for him. He's not perfect. Neither was Benedict XVI nor John Paul II. And so we pray for our Pope. We pray for his intentions. We we pray for his safety. We pray for all these things, and we pray that he would guide us and lead us in truth. And uh, up to this point, he's been doing what he said he was going to do. One of the things about understanding, more generally speaking, is you have to see one thing in light of the other you know, an organic whole, if you look at his whole papacy, he has been outspoken within the context to either uh, the reading for the day or the address he was given his audience on all of those hot-button issues. If you look at his papacy as as a whole, and I was telling this gal this today, there's no contradiction. There's no hypocrisy. (laughs) He's being faithful to all the teachings, he's a son of the church. We've been talking about this a great deal. Um, and so we, we need to get over ourselves a little bit, look, at, look ourselves in the mirror and say, okay, I probably am fearing a little bit what I do not know. So let us ask the necessary questions. Let us have the conversations. One thing I'm grateful for, Bob, is that in all these conversations, I think there's been some clarity, just not for the people that I'm talking about, but for myself as well. You know, for myself as well. Um, lest we slip into... Uh, what Satan wants, and that is uh, that all of this is sapping our energy, sapping what is so life-giving, our life in the Holy Spirit. We were wrapping up uh, chapter 2 of Joy of the Gospel, and those last few paragraphs, Bob, um, at least I think it's, what, 107 or 108, Pope Francis is talking about the dearth of vocations to the priesthood. And he says, the problem, our ardor has cooled. We allow things that we cannot control to consume us. Well, go figure what's happening right now. Don't let what we think we know sap our energy. We have been given a vocation, we have been given a mission, and the Holy Spirit is saying go forth, go forth and love, go forth and evangelize, go forth and catechize. Don't let all of this other stuff overwhelm you to the point where where you're so caught up in, in what you think you know, you're no longer doing the will of God. And yes, I get we want clarity, and we seek clarity, but let us seek it in humility uh, and understanding. So yes, we might be at peace, and out from that peace, we might truly become the missionaries of Christ that uh, Pope Francis and the Church is calling us to be. Sure, and you look at any
1: anything in life, as soon as... <clears throat> As soon as we get distracted, we get off balance, we get off centered. Um, I know in my work, when I'm focused and I, um, I'm i working on a project, I'm very, very productive. All it takes is one little distraction and it throws me off. You know, here I am, productive, doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm really on a roll. And all it takes is just one little glitch, one little, you know, my computer, you know, uh, Sure. Starts to, to go haywire on me. And it's a great way to think about it that, that the enemy wants us distracted. He wants us off track. He wants us not thinking about loving and being, you know, uh, giving and thinking about, you know, the, the marginalized or the poor. He wants us thinking about whether or not, you know, the church is being run as well as it should by the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bob, I'm looking up at the clock and we are out of time. You know, just by way of wrap-up, you know, we spent the time we did this evening with the subject matter that we talked about, because certainly it was necessary out from the conversations I was having, and people wanted me to talk about it. So I have. What we're going to do next week is get back into the joy of the gospel. I think we we, we will lead next week with a reflection on the gift of understanding on the heels of this evening, and really as a segue back into joy of the gospel we didn't really get into it today. I thought we, we might ha- have a chance to, but we didn't. Um, I want to talk about understanding, the gift of understanding, because I think it will help not only how we approach uh, this current papacy, but also how we re-engage uh, the joy of the gospel. So with that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.